Are you a clinician who's interested in adding a gym to your clinic? We have great online courses over at clinicgymhybrid.com. We have some courses on the most important thing, which is hiring a trainer, how to do that, how to hire them well, and who not to hire. We also have some great courses all about regressions and coaching and a bunch of other great stuff. Some of them are led by me. Some of them are led by our amazing co-instructors like Cody Demack and Dan Swinsko, Kurt Kippenberger, and others. But I'd love to have you check it out. So head over to clinicgymhybrid.com and check out our online courses because they cover the most important subjects within that clinic gym model. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley. It's my pleasure today to be joined by Robin Valadares. Robin, thanks for joining me. Robin is with the Financially Fulfilled Physio, or you are the Financially Fulfilled Physio, I guess, but you want to uh, help other physios and chiropractors uh, learn all about personal finance so that your practice is profitable, makes sense, fills you up, and is worth worth running, right? You got it, Josh, and thanks for having me on today. And I'm not just Absolutely. personal physios, chiropractors are also included. Yeah. Well, it just, you know, financially fulfilled Cairo just doesn't have the same uh, alliteration. So we go with physio. And right. plus, Robin's Canadian. So it's physio, not physical therapist, you know. Anyways, also, yeah. all yeah. water under the bridge. Let's dive into finances. Listen, my man, I want my listeners to be profitable. I want them to be wildly profitable. I want them to have profit because profit is what buys houses, buys cars, pays off student loans. Uh, you know, calms down issues with your spouse sometimes, helps you do what you want with the kids, puts you on vacation. And so many times we're distracted by revenue. Uh, and like, oh, I, I made this much money last year. I did this. And it's like, right, but how much did you take home? I've been trapped in that where the business is growing and it's exciting. We're hiring people, we're offering new services. And yet my wife is at home going, what the hell, man? There's less money now than before. So, can you talk a little bit about what you do and what what the most common kind of thing you see within the physio chiro rehab space is? Absolutely. And I think it comes down to the true basics of what you just mentioned, profits. If I ask one of my clients what a profit is, I don't think he, she, they could tell me um, with a memorization what it actually is. And that stems from an underpinning of very poor education in financial literacy. Uh, whether it's your master's in physiotherapy, your doctorate in chiropractic, your undergrad. I don't think I have met a person either north or in now south of the border that had some sort of formal training in financial educational literacy, basically adulting 101. We are thrown into our mid-20s or 30s expecting to figure it out ourselves and spending valuable time and money trying to fumble our way through some sort of business plan and then with the hopes of leading a more meaningful life with having profit in the business provide some sort of meaning. It's it's funny, uh, if we were forced to pay cash for our education, you know, not borrow our way through it, we'd probably understand finances a little bit better because it'd be like, hey, I got another 30 grand due, where's it going to come from, you know? And uh, we, we see that in practice. So if for somebody that's like, listen, I hate all this stuff, all my accountant always talks to me about all the profit and loss and this and that. If we could step back 
and just break this into easy to understand pieces, where should people start to understand if their goal is to make more profit at the, you know, within the next year, how would you recommend they start the process of understanding these things? I mean, we're all, we all have a license, right? So we're Kairos PTs, whatever, like inherently we are educated people that like learning, but we also kind of like the body more than we like numbers and all that stuff. Right. So how do we balance those two? Um, just like we learned in chiropractic and physiotherapy school with the basics and for understanding what profit is, you good to uh, understand the two things that make up profit, your income, what money you take in on a weekly, a monthly, semi-annually basis, and then the expenses, what goes out the door. And then the difference is your profit. And then you have other, ex- other, other items you might have to pay after the profit for your cash flow. But it's understanding the basics and maybe starting with your personal finance might be easier. Hey, I make this kind of money at my chiropractic clinic, but I have to pay for a Hulu Netflix subscription. I have to go to Walgreens. I have to pay for property tax. Okay. What is my end unit at the end of the month? Where can I allocate that after all said and done? And that translates very nicely or similarly to a business. And so do you find that uh, when people are out of control, personal finances are out of control in the business too? Or are there some people that are, because I, I, I had a partner early on who was a stickler in our business. I mean, that guy was super accurate, but God dang, like his personal spending was just out of control. Really? Okay. Yeah. It was just, it was the funniest thing. I, I found like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And it's very much how individuals kind of treat their own finances. Sometimes their yeah. businesses are mirror images or they tend to overextend their businesses to make up for the shortfalls in personal finance. And that's when you have real trouble. Yeah. Um, when you're looking at the personal side, what are some areas that we should look at that are common, like hiding spots for problems? I mean, I think like, you know, the major expenses typically stick out, right? Your, your rent or mortgage, your car payment, if you have one. Um, uh, but for me, it's like lunches, man, (laughs) especially now. I don't know why, like a lunch for one at Chipotle is like 30 bucks. Now I'm like, what the hell happened? It used to be like 10 bucks. (laughs) <laughs> so it's not just me. You're smiling and laughing. This is good. That's our current economy with inflation rates currently. Yeah. But yes, I think it's small insults done over time, both positively and negatively. We see this in the health space all the time. Sure, you can have a great workout once a week, but that's not meaningful as 10-minute bouts done twice every day for a week. A small, consistent change positively has huge results. Also, the negative change. Five Chipotle meals and two Starbucks a week, you're at 300 bucks. Times that by four, you're 1,200. You're going to spend 14, uh, what, 14,000 a year just on eating out. So there are small insults there. So understanding the small line items that do add up, there's a good book called The Latte Factor that talks about those small insults and how they add up. All right. And what, so what advice do you have for people when they're like, hey, listen, I, I'm, you know, I'm engaged. So here's a common thing. People graduate school, they open their clinic uh, and they're in the first, you know, in the corresponding next five years, they're like, I'm going to get engaged to be married, right? And then I'll just use marriage as a trigger. You get married, you probably want to upgrade your living situation. You want to do very adult things like pay full price for living room furniture. That to me is like, that's an adult move. You don't do that when you're a college scrub, you know? You're just like asking your brother-in-law, hey, uh, you getting rid of that couch? Can I, can I buy it or have it, you know? But full, full price living, living room furniture is like a big deal. And then you know, there's either pressures of, of owning a house and or owning a house and, and looking towards kids. And all of those things are 
almost like hockey stick growth and expense, right? Like it's just, it can get out of control pretty quick. So when people are sitting there in that, in that position and they're looking at that, what I'm trying to ask the right question here. What would you guide them to do? Like, how would you start and hold their hand and be like, Hey, we're going to get through this. Great question. I start with this with everybody. I think nowadays it's kind of outdated, but I will tell them to sit down on a weekly or biweekly or monthly basis, something some frequent and budget. And it can be done as painstakingly as using an Excel spreadsheet and typing in numbers verbatim and seeing, actually seeing and emotionally connecting with the line items you're expensing. And like, oh gosh, that Starbucks for this past week has been 30 bucks. That's out of control. Or do something more automated. And that's using an online budget like mint.com or you need a budget.com where it automatically fetches your American Express feed and it kind of tabulates on a weekly basis. So you can actually check that in. That is like paying with credit. It's not as hurtful because you're not disposing of anything tangible like playing with cash. Yeah. So when you pay with cash or do a manual budget, that, that hurts you a little bit because you're writing these things down or actually um, immortalizing these things, which carries a little more psychological weight. So understanding your budget, then you know, okay, I'm in a surplus or I'm in a deficit or I'm net neutral. If I want to pay for a wedding that might cost you $40,000, but I'm in a net neutral position, I can't pay for this wedding with cash. I have to take out debt. That's going to add on to your student debt or buying a house. I got to buy it, pay for a down payment. So it's understanding at least the basics so you can extrapolate and then make more realistic goals based on what you're taking home on the end of the day or month. Yeah. And that's when you learn the beauty of eloping and or destination weddings, you know, like <laughs> crowdsourcing weddings. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Not a bad idea. All right. So we, we set up a budget and you're saying that you think the behavior of doing it weekly is, is a positive step versus monthly or, uh, I think initially that we rhythm, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yes. Do do it initially. So you're on top of it. It's a new habit. Yeah. And once you're more proficient in it, you can do it on a monthly basis because it's part of your routine. This yeah. is maybe changing your diet. You do it initially quickly and then you build yeah. it out. It's like Weight Watchers. Like they're like, Hey, if you're active in the program, uh, do the weekly meeting. It's not monthly because there's just too much time in between. Right. So weekly is a, a good start. So budget it out, figure out where we're at. Now I've never met anybody, Robin, that goes, ah, uh, Oh, so relaxing. It's exactly where I want to be. Everything's in control. In fact, there's a little bit too much money. Most people are like, all right, well, I want to make an, an, another move. And let's say I want to buy that house, right? And so I'm going to need, a, I'm just making up, I don't even know what current numbers are. I need, you know, $280,000 down. And then I'm going to make up. Man, when I watch House Hunters based in Canada, holy God, does the, the exchange rate just, just scare the light out of me. <laughs> Yeah. But anyways, yeah. in all seriousness, so if you're, if you're, you know, positive by a thousand a month, you know, and young professional, that's not a bad place to be. Right. And, and, uh, and you're, but you're looking at something like a hundred thousand dollars down. What's the next step? I mean, that feels overwhelming for some folks, right? Correct. And that's under the assumption that the only way you're going to increase your income is working more hours, which we as therapists do too well. We work more to earn more. We do not have to leverage maybe time independence and location dependence to earn yeah. revenue because we've been taught just to go in the clinic or own a business to generate revenue when you can invest. And this is where uh, the old adage, I think our parents taught us very well to save, but taught us very poorly how to invest. And in today's day and age, like you mentioned earlier, your cost of Chipotle is up 30, I don't know, 30, 100%, let's say, gone up twofold in the last year because yeah. inflation rates. So if you don't know how to invest, good luck saving up for a down payment, making $1,000 extra a month. 
that won't happen. So it's understanding where to allocate your money, whether it's in a business that gives you a good return on your investment, whether it's in traditional assets, whether it's in non-traditional assets, it's understanding the investment sphere. And that's where I think people come very short because they assume it's very risky. So they sit in their hands and assume or hope things are going to work out in the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people look at those numbers and go, "There's, I'm never going to get there. There's no way. Um, and, you know, it's it's crazy to me, like over the years I've done fairly well recently and like when I look at my tax return and what it gets me I'm like I thought this would be like flying private jets around you know <laughs> and it's not it's not at all but anyways uh so going back to it so are there investment strategies that aren't like 25 year long plans and you know looking open the S&P goes up by 5 to 8% this year like when you're saying investment what investments for that young professional or even viable to get you to that ability to put a down payment? If you have a short time horizon, you're more likely to be investing more volatile or risky assets because their asymmetry of risk reward is there. But then you have the propensity of losing everything. So uh, depending on how you are structured and how your temperament is, you might say, okay, I might put an allocation of 5% of my portfolio in a, an asset or investment that is a 10 to 1 likelihood of hitting. And the other 95%, I'll put in a um, 2 to 1 because it's a 25-year horizon. So that's just based on capital. You can also invest, not maybe not with capital, but with your time. When we're younger, we have ample time. We don't have a kid or maybe a spouse, but we kind of mismanage it. So putting your time to provide value to a business owner, maybe in a tangential business like website development or personal training and selling your time for a piece of equity is an investment. And that business were to go up, guess what? Your ownership share has gone up and you have put no capital outlay, but you have invested your time, which you have ample of to generate that revenue or buying something that can, you can depreciate or take out against a loan, like a home, potentially use a home equity line of credit or home loan, and you leverage that into another uh, asset. So there's different ways to invest, not just the tr- traditional capital investment. There's time investment. I love it. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, like a business is fairly volatile, but usually can produce some, some revenue fairly quick if you just kind of get out of your own way. So is this what you do? Like people can contact you and, and work through these things? Yes. So I have multiple ways of people to learn because I learn in a, in a variety of ways. So I've structured two courses I built called Beginner Course and the Intermediate Course. The Beginner Course is just adulting 101. Things I wish I would have known 11 years ago when I started my practice that no mm-hmm. one really tells you and you spend your 20s and early 30s figuring it out. So it is the adulting basics. And then the Intermediate Course is more of, hey, now I know where money is. Where can I put it? What are some strategies I can use to invest and kind of um, concentrate my portfolio so I can set myself up with the ultimate goal of having the ability and the choice of doing what you want to do versus needing to do it? I think that's all our goals in healthcare. We love what we do, but we can't do it forever. So we tend to scale up to business ownership yeah. or other. So yeah. that's the main ways people can learn through me or the one-on-one coaching that I offer as well. That's awesome. So uh, can you share your website, by the way, so people can check these things out? Yes, absolutely. So it's www.financiallyfulfilledphysio.com is the website. And then you have my main source of social media is my Instagram, which is at financiallyfulfilledphysio.com. Love it. Or not so Robin, real quick, what was the origin story of this whole thing? Like, why, why did you get into this? I mean, were you sitting there drunk on a, on a curb? You lost everything and you're, what was me? And all I have is this crappy little physio license. I don't know what to do. I'm just kidding. Yeah. How did you get, I mean, you know, it's weird to go from physio to finances, right? Like it's rare. And I'm sure that's why you're 
so successful with it, but what's, what's going on? How did it happen? I think there were two seminal moments for this inception story. One was I first uh, was leaving school in my last unit and entering the workforce. My clinical instructor at the time, Margaret, she asked me, hey, Robin, look around you. And can you tell me how many individuals practicing physios, chiros, massage therapists, osteopaths in this clinic are over the age of 55 or 60? And I looked around and I thought back to my previous volunteering experience. I couldn't think of more than five over two years of volunteering that were over the age of 55 and actually practicing. Huh. And like, what are they doing then elsewhere? I'm like, clinic ownership, there might be yeah. educating, they might be retired, they might be switching fields. She said, your ability to earn income is very finite in our field. You'll deal with people's complaints mostly every single day. And over 30 years, you'll get battered down and broken down into it. You have to learn how to earn an income irrespective of what you're trading time for money. So I was like, okay, this is 23 years old me. I was like, okay, how do I find that? So I went down the rabbit hole of personal How finance. lucky were you that she stepped in and said this to you? Like, that's incredible, right? Like, Huge. And, and now I'm at the point where she's, we're, we're talking and I'm trying to help her out with her finances years later. <laughs> that's Full funny. circle. Yeah. So you started out thinking, hey, I need to do these things. But when did it really like take root and you, you know, I mean, to create two courses, it's obviously very organized and, and you're, you know, you have your main thoughts. How long did that piece of it take? 2020 uh, up here north of the border, especially in Ontario, we had a little more severe lockdowns and restrictions. So we were yeah. unable to earn an income for three months, um, regardless of where we practiced. You weren't considered essential workers? Uh, after the three-month lockdown initially. Yes, we were after the fact. Holy Moses. Okay. But for three months, we yeah, were. Just, yeah, that'd be spicy. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah, nothing else stops, right? You know that. Your mortgage still goes on. We didn't have any yeah. forbearance up here. Property taxes, yeah. utilities, eating, yeah. all these expenses. Uh, fortunately, I had two rental properties at that time that helped um, support some of my obligations. But I realized at that point, I had zero other income sources. I'm a well trained individual. I think I have a good head on my shoulders. But at no fault of my own, my ability to earn an income was kneecapped. And if I didn't have revenue streams, I'd be really struggling. Yeah. So I had three months and then I went to town on trying to develop a better way of teaching individuals what I learned through the hard knocks. And that's where the courses came in. That's where website development came in. That's where a whole bunch of kind of inception came out of these business because I love to learn. And it forced me to utilize that time very validly because I didn't have an adult. Uh, Any time in your adulthood, you get three months off vacation, technically, when you're told to stay home. Yeah. Right. Damn rare. I mean, thank God the internet was going. You know? yeah. YouTube yeah. saved me. So, so since then, what are some things you've put in place? Like, I mean, th- that kind of shook you, I'm sure. And you were like, oh man, I need to change my ways. So what'd you learn after? I, at that point, I had four revenue streams. And then now I've doubled that to eight. So then I have, um, what my main goal is, Josh, is to have the ability to practice because I love what I do but not be forced to do it. But I love to golf. Uh, I kind of like yourself when you work with golfers, I work with golfers and North of the border, we have six good golf months and then we are stuck in a tundra. <laughs> if you're lucky, my buddy was in uh, Barry and he's like, yeah, my country club never opened one year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Poor guy. <laughs> so could I find a way to earn an income irrespective of time? So can I make money while I sleep? Mm. Cause you want to be wealthy, yeah. you have to learn to do that. And then location. Cause when I'm stuck in the clinic, I can't, kind of get up and move. I can't take a call sure, in Arizona sure. and work in Ontario. No way. But if I had multiple businesses and revenue streams, I could do that. So I have the choice of wanting to do what I want. And I have the ability to travel and still earn income and enjoy the world. So that's the ultimate goal. Okay. And so, uh, so you, you said 
originally it was rental rental properties, or that's the only thing that helped you limp through COVID. No money coming in. Are you a clinic owner as well, or were you working as a physio? Working as a physio, still am. Okay, okay. So you work your whatever you want to say payroll. Uh, that went to zero. Your rental property luckily survived. Now you've started. You sell some online courses. You, I'm going to guess, have more rentals. You have your physio income. Uh, any other things that I, I want to kind of cover these so people feel like it's possible. Um, sure. Stocks, company. Yeah, good. Uh, then um, through dividends. So the dividends will pay me a certain amount. I've It's been my third year of trading stock options and doing it in a way that can uh, both appear appreciate and provide me with um, monthly or semi-monthly um, premiums or income. Then through some personal different uh, challenges in my life, I became a homeowner uh, without a partner. So at this point, I have extra space in my home. So now I've, this is my second year of renting, of renting, good word, renting and running an Airbnb out of my house, which is an additional stream. And I use that income to invest in other assets. And then that cycle continues. Um, do you and rent then, your car out through Toro? Do you have Toro in Canada? Yeah, we do. No one wants okay. to rent my car though. 2012, okay. electric, no one wants that. <laughs> You're too financially responsible for that, huh? That's funny. Let's just say yeah. my dream car is a Corolla. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, these are all good strategies for people like thinking like, because I think if, if it goes to, oh, you have to have this retirement account or this big investment strategy, sometimes it feels like that's too big of a lift. But what I'm hearing you're doing is like, hey, make a little bit off this. Not a lot, but a little bit off this. And then, you know, if you're bringing in, let's just say 800 bucks a month in, in uh, Airbnb money, and then you're like, I'm going to do another uh, thousand bucks a month off of, let's just say your Toro rinse out, right? And then I'm going to make a, I'm going to volunteer or apply to be clinic manager. So I get an extra X amount per month, right? And uh, you start stair-stepping these things. All of a sudden, you have an additional $45,000 worth of income that before seemed impossible. And none of those lists were super, you know, painful. They were just, a lot of them are so front end heavy that you can solve them pretty quick. I mean, once you solve them, they just run forever. You're right. And that's the income producing aspect of it. But if I want to make true profit, you know, as well, I also have to mitigate my expenses and that's where a good accountant comes in handy. So it's not how much you make traditionally, it's how much you keep and what you do with what you keep and how you allocate that to generate more income. And the cycle continues. So I tell people to look at both ends of the spectrum, try to earn more and in different fields so you can become recession proof, but also know how much you keep because you can still make $200,000 a year and work 100 hours a week. What is your return on time there versus working 80, uh, maybe 50 hours a week and making $100,000? Your better return times there. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. and build it. We forget about that. Like, you know, we're like, oh, I'll just do a couple hours here, a couple hours there. Like, I'll, you know, I'm, I, I just tell my wife, I got into this, I instruct for a few different companies. It's like, oh, I'll just cut, teach a couple weekends, teach a couple weekends. Next thing you know, you're booked out for three straight months. And it's like, okay, well, you're making some money over the weekend, but really, like you're saying, is it worth it? All the travel and giving up time for the family and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, laying that out over the year has been the only thing that really helped me kind of navigate. It's huge. It's the only value a metric that we can actually scale. And it's really important because it's on the only asset that we have a finite amount of, and that's time. So if you can scale everything to your time, then you can truly see where you can uh, allocate your efforts effectively. So really, it was the time leveraging physio, but it just wasn't uh, 
that name just wasn't as a uh, as it didn't roll off the tongue like financially fulfilled, huh? Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't very bright to think about that one. Yeah, awesome. Well, Robin, this has been great. Can you share uh, how people can get a hold of you again? Yes, absolutely. So through my website, which is www.financiallyfulfilledphysio.com, you'll have a whole bunch of my blogs that I write on a weekly basis, just breaking down things I wish I would have learned years ago. Um, then you can get a hold of me personally through Instagram at Financially Fulfilled Physio, or you can email me through info at Financially Fulfilled Physio. I uh, hope there's a lot of stuff out there for you. If I can't help you, I'll find somebody in my network that has the ability to, or at least the chance of helping you. And if you don't like my content, there's plenty of other people out there that has valuable content. Just go learn the material and take some action. That's kind of my leading message because we all hope it's going to work on the end. And we let ample time slide by um, to no benefit of our own if we don't take action and do it immediately. Yeah, well, I love the fact that you're advised by being a physio because you know about the limitations and what the business model is like. And, you know, I think sometimes that gets lost. Like people say like, oh, can you take on more shifts at work and stuff? And it's like, it's not really how it works in this world, you know? So just having that background, I'm sure is very, very helpful for people when you're talking to them. It's huge because yeah. we're in an industry where we trade our time for money and not every yeah. industry feels like that, right? It's a, not right. a bad ad per se as it is time traded for money. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, I've seen people where they're like, oh, I work this job, but I studied for law school during that time. I'm like, that ain't going to happen when you're one-on-one with patients, you know? No so, way. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Robin. Well, thank you so much for the time today. We really appreciate being on the podcast. Once again, Robin Valadares. Did I say that right? That's correct. Sweet. From Financially Fulfilled Physio. And as I, on behalf of Robin, this is Dr. Josh Saturday saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Robin, thanks so much. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.